0: Welcome to our KGF family and all our guests that are joining us today. My name is Pastor Garth Walker and uh, I'm the Discipleship Pastor here at KGF. I've been hearing some uh, great stories of what God's up to despite us being in this pandemic and if you uh, have some of those stories to share with our staff we would love to hear them and maybe even share them with our congregation. Uh, this morning as we uh, share some announcements i want to draw your attention to a few things Um, this is our communion sunday today so uh, if you have uh, some juice and a cracker or a piece of bread uh, for you and your family if they're with you uh, please have those ready and i pray that you've prepared your hearts for this remembering of our lord's life given for us secondly if you're looking for an opportunity to give that uh, this Christmas that keeps on giving I want to direct your attention to the Mennonite Central Committee which uh, has a Christmas catalog that you can find online that's an amazing opportunity I won't go into all the details but it is a gift that keeps on giving when you share that way um, speaking of uh, caring for others Um, I was talking with uh, Randy Runzer this week and he gave me uh, an update on the Operation Christmas Child here in Kelowna. It was an amazing success. Uh, Normally, on an average uh, last few years, uh, the Christmas Child project has brought in about uh, 3,400 boxes to be sent to children around the world. And this year they thought it was going to be really down a lot because of all the COVID protocols and stuff. And uh, so um, it was a surprise that 2,021 boxes came in. On top of that we know that many people chose to give directly to Samaritan's Purse online. So we know that uh, this year a lot of children in many places around the planet will uh, receive both uh, gifts and an opportunity to hear more about Jesus. So that's way to go to Kelowna. In fact, Randy shared that there's a few families that uh, actually spend a lot of effort, actually some of them um, saving all year long, collecting gifts for these kids. One family uh, brought in 502 boxes and another family brought in 104. Uh, some families uh, several brought in 20 to 30 boxes way to go Kelowna. I'm just proud of uh, that ministry, that outreach. Next I want to let you know that our office hours have changed a little bit here at the church from 9 o'clock to 12 Monday to Friday. The office is open with the exception of once a month our our staff uh, has a special time of uh, renewal and uh, spiritual renewal together and that Monday, which is this Monday, um, it will not be open. Um, I also want to let you know that uh, the staff have been looking forward to and preparing for a number of services, live, small groups of under 50 right before Christmas and Christmas Eve and now that can happen because of the restrictions. So uh, we're still preparing uh, we are um, going to be putting together a video with uh, the help of some of you to uh, have a uh, Christmas celebration video that will be available on our website starting December 24th through to the 27th. That you can uh, watch, uh, share with your family, and uh, spend a special time with us together uh, celebrating what God's up to at KGF this Christmas. Um, I want to thank you for being here with us today, and I pray God's Spirit would guide you through this service and this time together. In Jesus' precious name, amen.
1: Hey there, KGF Church family. This is the first week of Advent. Do you guys know what Advent means? Um,
2: the time fiefs, well. We're waiting for Jesus
1: to come? Yeah, we're waiting for Jesus' birth, yeah. And this week, we are lighting the first candle for Advent, and that candle is called the Hope Candle. What do you girls think it means to have hope in our hearts as we wait for Jesus'
2: birth? Well, that that we truly believe he will come.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think for me, it means to, yeah, to, to believe that he is coming and then to let that belief shape how I live. We had talked before about being kind, right? Mm-hmm. To me, it means that as well. Avery, would you light the hope candle for us? All right, let me read this for you here. It's from Isaiah chapter nine. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For to us, a child is born, to us, a son is given. And the government will be, will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, everlasting father and prince of peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. What does zeal mean? Zeal means the passion, the fiery passion. So girls, let us leave this night with the hope of Jesus' birth in our hearts. And KGF Church family, we want to invite you to share what you do in your homes this Advent season. If you don't have any practices that you do, we have made an Advent practices guide that you can find in the newsletter or on our website. And we want you to download that, take a look at it, and we would love it if you would invite
2: us into your living room next week. Peace has come. What a a wonderful song. Thank you, Joel, for leading us in that this morning. And friends, what a great way to begin Advent, not only by singing some of those songs, but to celebrate the Lord's table together. And so wherever you are this morning, we invite you to join virtually the church. Maybe it's with your household, maybe you're on your own, but you're not alone. The Spirit of God is with you and we are a people. And even though we're scattered, to celebrate this together as an important place of centering and remembering and proclaiming as we begin Advent together. So hopefully you have bread and cup available. Welcome to the Wagler Kitchen. We're glad you're here. Uh, Please, wherever you are, join in the table of the Lord. If you've given your life to Jesus, we invite you to take part in this cup. If throughout this morning, if you're prompted by the Spirit of God to reconcile something with another person, we invite you to do that because the Lord's table and coming together to uh, to the table of communion is not only a recognition of what Jesus has done for us in paying for our sins, but he's also made us a family. And so we can continue to walk together in this way and being a reconciled, Jesus-centered, and Jesus obedient, a community obedient to Jesus in this time. So have your bread and cup ready. We're gonna follow through a liturgy. It's the same reading that we participated in a month ago. And I want to invite you into that again. The words will come up on the screen. There's gonna be a part for me. There's gonna be a part for you. There's gonna be a part for all of us together at points. And so uh, just uh, prepare yourself and let's begin. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Read along. Jesus invites all his disciples to feast at his table, all who are members of God's covenant family, living in obedience to God, and with integrity towards their spiritual brothers and sisters, gather to celebrate their communion with Christ and each other. Now, let's just pause where you are. Just uh, perhaps hold your hands open. Just invite you into silence. Kids, just listen in silence as well. And let's pray if there's repenting, needing in our hearts, if we need to be aware of our need to ask others for forgiveness. And now let's take the bread where you are. Take the bread and pass it among you. And I will read. On the night he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took the bread. He gave thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now it's your turn. Hopefully you all have bread right now. If not, just start passing it around and put your eyes toward the screen and read the words together. Friends, let's eat together. And now we turn our attention to the cup. You can begin to pass it around as I read. In the same way Jesus took the cup, he blessed it and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So pass that cup around. Make sure everybody has some, and then let's read this together. All right, brothers and sisters in Christ, let us drink. Together. All right, friends, let's now proclaim together these final words. As often as we do this, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Come, Lord Jesus. Church, we've come to this place at the beginning of Advent where we wait in expectation for the celebration of the coming of the Messiah. Jesus Christ has come. We've celebrated the full story that he who came as a baby was crucified, died, and he has Risen from the dead, He is our hope. Come, Lord Jesus. And now, friends, would you read together in preparation for the message these words from Isaiah. Well good morning church family from this beautiful location out here in the wilds of the Okanagan. Uh, Listen, we begin Advent today as we've heard already this morning and uh, there's a new Advent scripture reading guide that you can access through the newsletter or the website. Take advantage of that with uh, your family, your triad, maybe your life group or on your own. Kids and maybe adults, we've got a little challenge for you today. What's the little craft we're going to work on? I'd like you to take a piece of paper and I'd like you to draw a van, okay? Something like the one behind me maybe, or maybe a van you can imagine. And I want you to draw skis on the roof, but here's the trick. Draw a picture of a van with skis on the roof in a desert. What? Yes, see if you can do that kids, and you'll understand in a little bit. Now today's question, which we're driving, forward, we're driving toward will be, how am I being prompted to learn and live the words and works of God. How am I being prompted to learn and live the words and works of God? That'll be the question we come to in a little bit. But we begin with a story. So this time of year, of course, it's completely common to see a van like mine sitting behind us here with skis on the roof, a bubble on top, something, people ready to go skiing It makes sense, of course, there's nothing radical about it at all. But what if you were in a desert And you passed a vehicle with skis on the roof. Our family once planned a road trip from Ontario to Keats Island, British Columbia off the coast of Vancouver in the Strait of Georgia and uh, along the way one of our dreams was to ski in the mountains. Wow what an exciting thing this was going to be because we were used to Ontario skiing, which with a few exceptions, is really like glorified cross-country skiing. And the place that we skied at most regularly in Ontario was a place called Bowler Mountain, which even the locals knew better because they called it Bowler Bump. And so you can imagine how excited we were as a family that we were going to really ski, really ski in the mountains. We were so excited that we used up all of our air miles to purchase passes for Silver Star Mountain. Yeah, up by Vernon. Years of collecting points were invested in this adventure. And so in a blistering Ontario, February snowstorm, my son and I tied the skis to the roof of our Toyota Sienna. This is a Sienna, but it wasn't this one, different one, older one. And we were living on this hope that we were gonna have really good skiing. Now picture picture it with me just, just for a moment. We packed our four kids ages 2 to 12 and two parents ages unimportant but rapidly aging with each kilometer into this old Toyota Sienna. There was not much room to spare and a small percentage chance, chance that all would survive. And we had a bubble on the roof of our car so, and stuff packed around our kids and skis for six people strapped on the top of the car. We were an outrageous sight, we really were, and we planned what is known in dysfunctional family studies as the classic waggler, which is attempting something great with the greatest degree of difficulty. Mm-hmm. This is what we seem to do. If this was going to succeed, it was going to be an act of God. Well, what was this classic waggler move? Well, it was to drive from southern Ontario to British Columbia. but but through Michigan, Indiana, Illinois, Missouri, Oklahoma, Texas, Colorado, New Mexico, Arizona, uh, Nevada, did I already say that? California, Oregon, and Washington State. It was so long I can't even remember all the places. Yep, that's how you stretch What the internet says should be an 8,362-kilometer round-trip journey into a 16,000-kilometer trip. Yes, the classic Waggler, Double or nothing. And this is how someone in the desert of Death Valley, California, passes a minivan with skis on the roof. Our very first night somewhere near Indianapolis, I received a first of numerous comments. What's with the skis, buddy? Yeah. Every night I would take the skis off the roof, drag them into the place where we were staying, and even as the weather got warmer and the places got drier and flatter and flatter, I still dragged the skis inside, put them back on again in the morning and hope that silver star awaited. You know, This on and off discipline was a discipline of faith, or a routine that confounded the people who didn't know our story, who didn't know what we knew. It never occurred to me that there was a pretty good chance actually that the skis would have been just as fine on the roof all night because who was gonna steal them and for what purposes in those dry and dusty places. Sometimes we'd park our van for a week somewhere or or two at a time while the kids got caught up on school and I wrote a book that I was doing during my sabbatical and the skis would stay there baking in the warm southern sunshine, a constant prophetic sign that we were in one place but really destined for somewhere else. No matter where we were, the skis pointed elsewhere. The skis stayed pure and sure even when the weather and the circumstances changed. Never judge a roof rack by its contents. They might know something you don't. After weeks on the road, we finally, gratefully, turned the corners up Silver Star Mountain near Vernon, and there were countless adventures had by that point. We had met amazing and some bizarre people. We had seen the wideness of the continent, mostly endured one another, and even the skis seemed excited about finally being useful And it was at this point that we ratcheted Classic Waggler to epic proportions. Because after thousands of kilometers of driving, after packing those skis on and off, over and over, after answering the prodding questions of strangers, and enduring the strange glances and the smirks of people in warm and even desert places, after all that, we couldn't find the Silver Star passes we had ordered from Air Miles yeah, we lost them. We looked high and we looked low. We prayed. There may have been some blaming, some arguing, some weeping, some gnashing of teeth, whatever that really is. I think we actually did it. But when it was all said and done, when we finally went through all the stages of grief and accepted that the passes had passed away, one reality remained. We had driven through deserts with skis on the roof. You don't go that far without living into the promise. You go, as the cool kids would say right now, full send and follow through. And we did. We did. We laid down the cash. We paid the price. And we skied in the mountains. Now, this little traveler's tale is a parable of... A crucial good news point we now move toward as we begin Advent. Jesus is the prophetic promise of God and we are invited to live as Christians in the desert of life with skis on our roof. This is what God did. In fact, the whole scripture is in some ways skis on the roof. The revelation that there's another reality than what is seen or concluded. Christians believe and live and form communities of people like ours, of people shaped by a word that came from somewhere else. When the Bible talks about the prophetic, about prophets, it speaks about this reality that there is a speech from God that human beings can trust and live by even when it doesn't seem to make sense to the world. And when the Bible speaks of the prophet or the prophetic, it ultimately roots this speech from heaven in a person. The prophets are constantly skis-on-the-roof kind of people. Their lives revealed another world, Isaiah. This poor guy had to walk around naked for three years at one point to make a point. Jeremiah had to buy a field that was about to be conquered by Israel's enemies. Hosea had to marry a prostitute who wouldn't be faithful to him, which is why routinely the prophets were persecuted and mocked. And since God's prophetic speech is always rooted in a prophetic person or a people, which the Jews, Israel, were supposed to be among the nations, the prophetic is always, 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 always something that is a call to a way of life right now that is different. The embodying of the whole shalom life shaped by a vision of somewhere else, a good news vision. So think about it actually this way. Think about advertising. Just think about that for a second. You might never have thought about buying that product until you saw an advertisement that called you to the idea. It's a word from outside your world that wants into your life. And you might consider it. You might think about the product. You might think it's cool. You might even begin to know the jingle a little bit. But then a celebrity athlete or somebody you admire endorses it and suddenly this influencer brings the product closer to home and because the prophetic advertisement is now embodied in someone you admire you consider it more deeply it's no longer just cool it may even be just something that you believe starts to make you look cool and then your friend gets one and you actually see what that product can do, and what can, and so what began as an advertising word outside of your world is suddenly within your world, and suddenly you buy it. Then, and, that, and that's how our home ends up with a box full of fidget spinners, and why you probably have some things now that are out of date and taking up space. You see, God knows that if we who are broken east of Eden are to trust Him like Abraham, we need a word from outside this desert world. We need to hear about the skis on the roof and actually see it. And so as we begin Advent, we proclaim that in Jesus the prophet, the prophetic word of God is fulfilled. We can not only know about who God is and what he wants for the world, we can also see who God is and what he does in the world, and we can become the prophetic speech and activity of God as well. We can be people in the desert world with skis on the roof. So we come in the scripture in the scriptures to Deuteronomy chapter 18, and this amazing word of Moses, Deuteronomy 18, verse 15. The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your countrymen. To him you shall listen. Now these are the words of Moses. Moses had led the Israelites out of their slavery in Egypt. He had given them the law that shaped their identity as God's chosen people and and a prophetic people among the nations. But Moses is dying. Deuteronomy is his passing the torch message. And the people had cried out for someone that could speak to them on God's behalf and they needed God's speech embodied. And Moses' prophetic word is that God will raise up another prophet, and he is the one to listen to. If you go further in this passage, you discover that Moses says that a prophet who, would, who should be listened to is, uh, is coming. And if we refuse to listen to that, pro- that prophet, we stand judged for rejecting God himself. In verse 22 of Deuteronomy 18, he says that a prophet is held to to a high standard, the standard of being perfectly proclaiming what God has said. The one great hope, you see, was that God would speak. Now, there were two great dangers. One, of course, that the people would not listen, and two, that the prophet would be false. And so the Jewish nation always had prophets and prophetesses among them, Faithful servants who spoke and embodied God's speech. They were the skis on the roof, servants constantly driving through the world, pointing people, and not just the Jews, but even other nations to something else, to a better way, to another world. They spoke it, they lived it, they suffered for it, and they were held to an enormously high standard. And yet God kept saying, like he did through Moses, that there was another prophet, the prophet, the revealer of God's speech who would come. And the prophets themselves speak of this. Isaiah chapter 42, hundreds of years after Moses, he says uh, that the Lord says he's going to put my spirit upon the servant and he will bring justice to the nations. There will be a prophetic servant who would be God himself taking Israel by the hand and making them a light for the nations. And you read a little bit from Isaiah 42 earlier on. In Isaiah chapter 61, it reveals that the prophet will come bringing good news to the poor. He will heal the brokenhearted. He will set captives free. He will proclaim jubilee, God's favor. He will restore that which has been ruined and destroyed. The Isaiah 61 prophetic vision of the world that we all want, of the freedom from shame, guilt, and fear that we all desire, these are the very words Jesus himself applies to himself at the beginning of his ministry in Luke chapter 4 and he says there as he rolls up the scroll of the prophet Isaiah after reading it he says this today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing who there's chills he is the prophet Moses talked about. So then when we come to the New Testament, there's a very telling moment where Jesus takes his disciples, Peter, James, and John, up a mountain. And he is physically changed in front of them. And Moses and Elijah, another great Old Testament prophet, hang out with him and Peter, James, and John, and they are in the company of those who have lived their entire lives with skis on the roof. And in the midst of all this mystery, the voice of God speaks, this is my beloved son with whom I am pleased. Listen to him. Listen to him. And this is exactly what Moses had said way back when the Israelites were drudging their way through the wilderness, learning to become skis on the roof, God-shaped people. The Lord your God will raise up a prophet like me from among you, from your countrymen, to him you shall listen. And now we've entered Advent, that season of waiting before the joyful celebration of Christmas and the world is in a pandemic and your lament and grief is justified and real. And we're in the desert, the wilderness of human experience and uncharted territory and the talking heads of the news speak to you. And we scroll and we chatter and we natter and we escape to Netflix or anger or nefarious conspiracy theories, or we slip back to the great addictions of xenophobic violence and sexual adventure and occult practice and superstition and rampant materialism. But the good news is that in the desert we are passed by a van with skis on the roof. There is someone who has come from somewhere else and is heading somewhere else. Jesus said all those prophetic words of Scripture were pointing to Him. He says this in John chapter 15. Would people listen? Jesus revealed what we don't know. He routinely said that he speaks what is from the Father. He says in John chapter 14 that the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. And if you don't receive his words, you don't love God. Jesus is speaking from somewhere else. Would people listen? And then Jesus does what we don't do. He routinely did the prophetic acts and chose a prophetic way of living and seeing people that confuse both the simple and the experts. He was living a reality from somewhere else. Would people listen? Jesus, you see, was unashamedly driving with skis on the roof through the world that had become a spiritual wasteland. And the guy with the skis on the roof is telling you to get in his vehicle. Don't say you love God, and then don't do what He has prophetically spoken and revealed in Jesus. That's John 14, 15. If we don't go where His speech and where His life is headed, we don't know God. Period. And that's sobering. But you might say, Wow, Phil, I I don't know how to live this life. How can I live up to this prophet standard? That's a good question. And Jesus saw that question coming, and he's got an answer for that. Because we too can live the prophetic life, because those who repent and believe this prophetic good news are gifted the Holy Spirit. John chapter 16, verses 13 through 15. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me, for he will take from mine and will disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. This is why I said, he takes from mine and will disclose it to you. You see, what the Father has spoken is what Jesus speaks and embodies. And when the Spirit of God speaks into our lives, it is the fullness of God being revealed to you. So the skis on the roof life is this, the words and the works of God fulfilled in Jesus Christ, who was despised and rejected and yet overcame as the unstoppable, unkillable, indestructible word and work of God in the world, is now available to the believer at all times. Our lives can be prophetic, the words and works of God in desert places because Jesus promised that the Spirit would be in us to bring into visibility and activity the speech of God in the world. This is the restoration of our image of God dignity. So Christians drive everywhere with skis on the roof. We know another story than the desert one. We know of a shalom life, the good news of God. That is what we are created for, what your neighbor is created for, what this world was created for. We have heard a voice call us to repent, find forgiveness and freedom in what God has done for us on the cross. We are learning to take up our cross and to follow And we're waving down that strange vehicle Jesus is dying and saying, Take us with you. Take us with you. But let me say this. It isn't cheap. It's costly. To believe the prophet is to live by a word and do the works of somewhere else. There are no coupons or free passes. You have to go all in. Full send, kids. You will need to die to yourself if you're going to heed his word and works in your home, in your workplace, in your relationships, in your basement or your bedroom, among the injustices of the wilderness, Jesus laid down his life for the prophetic vision, and he will ask you to do the same. Why? Because the option is the desert life or a journey with skis on the roof. A life from somewhere else, headed to somewhere else. A life of joy and purpose and prophetic power and activity that is led by the Spirit of God. The real question is, will we listen? Here's this question again, friends, that we're going to spend time on in our households, perhaps your hub or life group has adapted, hopefully you have, and you're gonna call each other soon, maybe be on Zoom together, maybe you're gonna go for a walk with somebody. Here's the question, how am I being prompted to learn and live the words and works of God? How am I being prompted to learn and live the words and works of God? Let's pray together, and then you're gonna be commissioned To have the ski on the roof conversation. Lord, Lord of all creation, we worship you. Thank you for the beauty of all that you have made. Thank you for the beauty of every person that's watching this today, that we're sitting with, that we're thinking about. Thank you for the wonder of even those that we're confounded by and frustrated with. Lord, this is a wide, wild and wonderful world and it can feel like a desert right now but you're good and in Jesus the prophetic vision has become clear and it's what we're invited into and so God we surrender ourselves today help us to get the skis on the roof and live in your direction and your hope and your promises and your life even when it seems hard to do lead us forward and bless bless us for we need your blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, friends, there's that question again, right? How am I being prompted to learn and live the words and works of God? Have at it. Have a wonderful week. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you.